everybody welcome back to another episode of two minute drill presented by deep dive sports we are back at it after the holiday guys i hope everybody had a pretty good holiday break good new year's over this past weekend um but we are right back in it we had some fun some fun games over this past weekend and then we're gonna have some more fun nfl games coming up and the national championship next week that we're gonna kind of talk about but recap time we're just going to go over the semifinal games. First up, guys, Alabama, Michigan. Michigan, I don't want to say shocking, you know, Alabama, but I do feel like a lot of people had Alabama winning this game. Um, but Michigan comes out and, you know, holds Jalen Miller without a touchdown. J.J. McCarthy has three touchdown passes on the game. You know, Blake Corum does his thing. I'll kick it over here to David first. Like, you know, are you surprised at this outcome? Um, what are your thoughts on this game other than that in general? I mean, I'm not really surprised, surprised, considering that these are the top four teams that we're looking at. It could have gone either way. And on top of that, the game itself actually was pretty close for the most of the game. I believe if I remember correctly, it went into OT or was that the other game? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it went into OT. No, that, they went into um, overtime. Yeah, so it could have gone either way. Um, I'm sad that it is Michigan that's going, but I'm also happy at the same time that Alabama's not going. So it's a it's a give and take. Yeah, yeah, I feel that. Dom, what are your thoughts on this game? I thought it was a great game. I thought Alabama got off to a little bit of a hot start. Um, well, both teams got up to a hot start defensively, but. Um, Michigan's first play from scrimmage, they had that almost interception. And I thought, all right, Alabama's Alabama's here to play. And, um, you know, kudos to Michigan. I hate saying that, but they played well. Um, I think their defense played outstanding the entire game. And I, it was really entertaining. I, I didn't expect Michigan to win. I thought it was going to be close, but I didn't expect it to go to overtime. Um you know, I think overall, I think the uh, committee got the four teams right this year because I think both these games were, you know, really good. Um, I think Michigan's going to be tough to beat um, in the national championship game. So we'll we'll see. Hopefully this is their last year of um, significance because I know they got a lot of people graduating this year. So hopefully they'll go back to being the Michigan that, you know, we as Ohio State fans remember during the Rich Rodriguez year. Let them have their that. 15 minutes of fame now. <laughs> I don't know if you'll get that wish, Dom. I think it all depends on whether or not Harbaugh leaves for the NFL after this yeah. year. It kind of feels like it's a foregone conclusion, but if he stays, I mean, I he, so. he's building a pretty good program there. And um, I don't think he's leaving. He, I don't, I don't think he's leaving. You don't think he's going to? No, because... And if NFL teams want the the young up and coming offensive, you know, guru, then Harbaugh is really neither of those. Um, you know the the way that Michigan plays it works well for college, but it's really, you know, that old school ground and pound pass one we kind of want to, but we really try not to pass that much, and we'll just run the ball fifty times a game if we can. And I feel like. 
you know, Harbaugh, if he could, he'd run out four tight ends and two fullbacks in, you know, every offensive scheme. But, you know, he's a great leader, but I don't think he's going to be going back to the NFL. I don't know, man. I I think I think that somebody would take a shot at him. I mean, this is a guy who's had success in the NFL prior to being at Michigan, and then this is a guy at Michigan who brought them back from like what you said that Rich Rodriguez era, where that team was kind of irrelevant within the Big Ten. I mean, you had schools like Michigan State, Wisconsin, Iowa. I feel like Northwestern was more relevant than them during that time period, and he's brought them back to yeah. to a. a, a more of a relevant. I just don't program. see. We can wrap this up quickly, but I don't. I just don't see where he'd go, because the Bears already said that Eberflus is staying. You know, the only team that I could really think of is you know maybe Las Vegas, and that'd really just be for the name aspect of things. And they have a history of, you know, firing a coach, having an interim head coach that the players love, and kind of sparked a you know, lit a fire under the team and then they fire him and, you know, hire someone that they shouldn't have. So yeah, the only team that I can see going after Harbaugh would be, um, would be Vegas, the chargers, Vegas chargers. And then I think if, if the Patriots move on from bill Belichick, I could see them maybe kicking the tire on Harbaugh, depending on if, you know, what happens there, but not that he's the same kind of coach, but, I don't think the culture would have to change much. Um, and that's a guy that maybe they could look to hopefully keep for like, you know, another 20 years if they wanted to. But I don't know. Again, again, yes, this game was, like the guy said, it was close. It was a pretty big defensive game, um, I would say. But definitely Michigan came out in the end. J.J. McCarthy is proving that, you know, he's a pretty good college quarterback. I don't know what he'll be on the next level. Um, but that defense is, I would say now you could probably look at that as one of the best, if not the best defense in the country this year and, and right now. So um, let's go on to the next game of the semifinals. And that was Washington versus Texas. I was actually really excited about this game um on multiple levels just because i think you know bonix and quinn ewers both being transfer guys i was just excited to see them go out and ball out and you know quinn ewers only had one touchdown but he had 318 yards um not an awful game i think he definitely played really well but michael Penix and washington they came out and you know 430 yards two touchdowns like this he he played a really good game and It'll be very interesting to see how Washington goes up against Michigan. We'll kind of talk about that next. But, uh, Dom, what are your thoughts on this game as a whole? I thought it was a really good game. Um, very impressed with Penix. I th- I thought all year that he should have been the Heisman, and I personally think he got robbed out of that. Um, you know, Texas played a good game. I, I, I was really excited for this game, too. I was excited for both of these games, honestly. Um I, I like seeing new teams make the playoffs for the first time and, you know, seeing Texas and, and Washington, two teams that haven't been to the playoffs and haven't been to a national championship ever in Washington's case, or, um, you know, not since what 2006 in Texas's case kind of, you know, come back to relevance. I thought, I thought it was going to be really exciting. Quinn Ewers played a good game, got off to a little bit of a slow start, but I like how they answered. And, you know, the fact that it came down to the last second, literally the last second, and they had a chance to win, um, 
you know, very exciting. Uh, kudos to Washington. I think, I think they have a, a really, you know, strong chance to to win the national championship, and that would be, you know, a, a great ending to you know Michael Penix's college career, and you know, really a. Uh, I think the last couple of years have been a great step in the right direction for Washington as a program. Um, you know, this year, even just getting to the national championship game is huge for them, but if they're able to win it, um, I, th- I think, you know, the future is, is bright and what they're, what they're building, I think is real, especially because they're coming over to the big 10, aren't they? They're one of the, yeah. the former Pac-12 teams, you know, coming over to the big 10 now. Yeah. I, I think this is just the beginning for Washington. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this is basically a, a Big Ten national championship right now. Um, you know, I know, yeah. I know they're still a part of you know the Pac-12, but it's a Big Ten championship right now, and that brings a lot of juice to the Big Ten next year when you think about Washington and what Oregon was able to do with all the guys that they signed, and you know USC, great offense, not great defense, but it still should bring some juice with them. And UCLA is is not. Um, a team to put your nose up at. So there's there's some four good teams that that should come in and, and really add some some quality play within the Big Ten next year. And and yeah, I don't know. It's a it's a very interesting matchup with this national championship. But I'll kind of kick it over here to David. Talk about this, uh, you know, Texas v Washington game in your opinion, and then maybe transition into your thoughts on the Michigan Washington national championship and who you think might win that game. Yeah, I think it was definitely a really good game. Michael Penix definitely gave a very solid reason as to why he should have been voted Heisman, the Heisman Trophy winner. And, um, but yeah, both teams definitely went out there, gave it their all. I pretty much showed why both teams should have been there and uh, should have been in the actual uh championship but obviously they came up against each other and one had to go but to move on to the uh actual championship itself um i think that it'll be tough i think that michigan's defense will definitely help a lot Uh, i think they'll definitely come through and step up but i also think that um washington's offense can step up as well and counteract the Michigan defense. So in all in all, I think Washington might win both legitimately and just because I'm also an Ohio state fan. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we could all hope that um, Dom as, as we kind of transition here into quarter two, talking about who wins the national championship, you know, David picks Washington Obviously, he brings up good points about the Washington offense going up against that Michigan defense. But what's your thoughts on this national championship, and and who do you think wins? It's tough because my heart says Washington because of my hatred for Michigan. But something in my brain is just saying, pick Michigan in this. Um, you know, the, the mantra has always been defense wins championships. And I think this Michigan team has just enough offense to get by, and they have – I think you called it right. I think they have the best defense in the country. Um, It's going to be very tough. I think this Washington offense is probably going to be their toughest test that they would have faced all season. And I think if any offense is capable of breaking down the Michigan defense, I think it's, it's this Washington offense. So I, 
I think it's going to be close. I really think this is going to come down to the wire, but, you know, I think, you know, defense is, you know, what, you know, like I said, wins championships. And unfortunately, I think, you know, Michigan is, you know, unfortunately going to pull away with this one. Let me lay out a scenario here for you. And I know that, you know, people will always remember, oh, like Alabama and Georgia, all the championships they won in this playoff era. But people always remember the first and the last of this four-team playoff. And Ohio State won the first, and I think Michigan's going to win the last. And it's because of their defense. And not because I don't think Washington's going to struggle a bunch. But like you said, Dom, I think that this defense is going to do enough to allow this offense to, you know, not have to score a bunch of points. But J.J. McCarthy can go out there, play clean like he did against Alabama, and they can put up 27 maybe 35 points, you know what I mean? And they could come out with a win in this game. Um, I, I just, like Dom said, I don't want them to win, but it just it just feels like that's what's going to happen. You know what I mean? Almost like I get a little tingle that Joe Flacco is going to win a championship for the Browns this year. I'm just getting that. I hope you're, I hope you're fucking right. <laughs> I just get that little Same. twinge. I get that little twinge with Michigan for some reason that's like, it it just with everything that went wrong on the outside with all the scandals around Harbaugh and all the questions about him going to the NFL and yada 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 and just them being able to come in and just physically dominate Alabama at the line of scrimmage and really give Jalen Miller a fits and I don't know it just it just feels like they're gonna win this game. Not that I want them to, but again, it feels like they're going to win this game. And again, they'll have the last four-team college football playoff championship. And not that that may, may not mean something to most people, but that's pretty significant within history. So I don't know. It'll be very interesting. I, I agree with Dom. I think it's going to be a close game. I think this is going to be another one that comes down to the wire. I mean, maybe we get another overtime game within this playoff series, which would be super fun to watch. But I don't know. And I'll get to watch it because I won't have to go to work the next day. <laughs> I, I will say, you know, you mentioned, you know, all the, the scandals and stuff that Michigan's gone through this year. You know, with them going to the national championship now, like my one of my biggest fears in all of this is kind of coming to fruition. You know, something like what they were going through and what they were accused of Um you know, in a situation like that, you'll see teams either fold and collapse under, you know, all the scandals, or it's going to bring them closer together. It's going to light a fire, a fire under their ass, and it's going to make them more laser focused than they already were. And it seems like this team took everything that everyone was saying about them, all the accusations, and it motivated them to a point where, you know, they were. You know, I'm not saying that they weren't motivated before, but it really lit a fire under their ass. And I, this team looks like a team on a mission right now. And it's you know, kind of scary to watch. You know, as an Ohio State yeah. fan, I kind of don't like it. And you, you want to know, it's not the coaching staff. It's the players. Because I, yeah. think, I feel like we might have had this conversation before, but, but I'll say it again. It, the scandals are all our balls. It's not the players. Mm-hmm. And we talked about, you know, should they vacate wins or whatever? And I didn't really think they should because the the scandals weren't necessarily on the players. It was really a lot on Harbaugh and the coaching staff. And 
I think the players are the ones who are coming out being like, hey, just because those guys did that doesn't mean that we're not good players and doesn't mean we didn't win those games because we weren't better than everybody else. And I think that's really what you've seen and what Dom is alluding to is you've seen a maturity in these in these. I mean, I don't want to call them kids, but these college age kids who, you know, you don't you would not expect that from to come out here and just be like, we are better than everybody else. It doesn't matter what you're saying. It doesn't matter about the scandals that are being talked about. We're great. We're going to be great. And we're going to win a national championship. And they're, they're, they're kicking on the door and they might get it done. And, and, and I think that they will get it done. So it's going to be crazy. What I will say, you know, you mentioned the the maturity of, of the team and, you know, how they responded to everything. If I'm an NFL GM, dude, I am, ecstatic about the players uh coming into the draft off this team because you know the the players seem to have a maturity that seems to be kind of rare in you know kids coming into the draft and for you know players to already have you know the the right mindset and you know the dedication and, and uh maturity coming into the NFL I, I think you know the sky's the limit for a lot of these kids especially on defense. Yeah, 100%. I think a lot of these guys on defense will be very impactful players in the NFL. So, yeah. All right. Quarter three. We're going to do something a little bit different. We don't have like traditional topics this week, guys, but we're going to go ahead and play some of our uh, our fun little games that we got. So, we got like, uh, let's see here. We got some um, Would You Rather, Factor Cap, Will There, Won't They, Did You Know, and then some overreactions. And then we'll, uh, we'll get out of here because. Because David's got to go to work tonight, so we'll wish him luck. <laughs> but we're going to start with Would You Rather. And I don't know if you guys want to get your your pencils and papers ready. Um, oh, God. All right, let me go grab a notebook. Making me take notes like I'm from freaking class. <laughs> All right, everybody at home, I hope that gave you enough time to get your uh, pencils and papers ready. So this is a Would You Rather. Right. This is going to be a blind Would You Rather, okay? And it's going to be between... Two, uh, I'll say, uh, we'll say two players within the quarterback position. All right. So player number one, they have played twenty-eight games. And this is over the past two seasons. Twenty-eight games. They've passed for six thousand and seventy yards. They have thirty-eight touchdowns to eighteen interceptions. Oh, what was the touchdowns? Thirty-eight touchdowns to eighteen interceptions. I feel like this is Garner Minshew. They had I know a 60, it's not 62% completion percentage. They rushed for 245 yards and two rushing touchdowns. Two rushing touchdowns, you said? Mm-hmm. They had nine fumbles. And then their teams overall over the those 28 games that they played were 11 and 17. Not great. All right. Player number two. 33 games played. 7,555 passing yards. 7,500 what? 55. 7,555. Okay. 41 touchdowns to 33 interceptions. To what interceptions? 33. 33. Ooh, these are Josh Allen kind of numbers. <laughs> this is David and Madden kind of numbers. Oh, man, I'm sorry. I did it again. <laughs> no, it would be, it would be, inver- it would be uh, flipped. <laughs> Uh, the completion percentage was 59.6. Now, they did have 
657 rushing yards and four rushing touchdowns. 650 what? Seven. And how many rushing touchdowns? Four. And then they had seven fumbles. And their team's overall record over those 33 games played was 18 and 15. So take a second, look at those two, compare them, and then I'll, whoever wants to go first, let me know. Is it is it one or two that you'd rather have? I'm going with number one. I'm going with number one as well. And my reasoning is in, what, five less games, he – this person through what little over a thousand yards less than the person who had the 33 games through three less touchdowns in that same uh but also through less interceptions at a higher completion rate uh rushing while decent was not uh great comparatively speaking uh, and had more fumbles. However, that could be an offensive line issue more than a control issue. And the record, 11 and 17, can be more of what's the rest of the team around him look like, what's the defense look like. And so it's more what's around him than it actually is him. So okay. I'm going to go with one. All right, all right. I'm going to go with one as well for similar reasons. Um, like David said, five less games, but you have a higher completion percentage, um, about a thousand less yards. But if you combine total touchdowns, you got 40 touchdowns for player one to 20 turnovers. And player two has less completion percentage, but they have 45 total touchdowns to 40 and uh, 40 total turnovers. So, you know, to me, five additional turnovers isn't worth you know double the amount of five additional touchdowns is not worth the 20 additional turnovers um so i think player one um they're able to complete a high percentage of their passes um and their touchdown to turnover ratio is significantly higher okay and now any guesses on maybe who these are referring to i mean just looking at these stats these aren't elite quarterbacks they're good yeah but they're not elite. Um, part of me wants to see like Derek Carr and Baker Mayfield or something like that. I don't know. Okay. All right. David. I'll say Baker on maybe two, but I'm going to say Jacoby Brissett on one. Now I'm going to say you guys are, you guys are both correct with one of the quarterbacks. This is a little bit of trick here for you. Browns fans. Number one is Baker Mayfield. And number two is all the Browns quarterbacks over the past two years. <laughs> Does this include Joe Flacco? This includes Joe Flacco. The elite Joe Flacco. Oh yeah. Oh yes. <laughs> Listen, I'm 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 down for the Joe Flacco train, but let's not mistake if if those wins All were right, losses, so, we'd be questioning whether Joe Flacco should still be playing. But <laughs> you guys but, know I'm a I'm a I'm a stats nerd, right? Mm-hmm. You guys know that you know, looking at Joe Flacco's numbers as they are right now, if you were to aggregate that over a full um, 17-game season, he'd throw 44 touchdowns to 27 interceptions um, and throw for 5,494 yards and have a 90 to, 90.2% uh, passer rating. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. But back to this one. Now, I want you to guys remember that you said it was easy. 
easy that you would pick number one. So as Browns fans, do you look at the departure of Baker Mayfield a little bit differently of maybe that he should have been the guy going forward? I've kind of stuck by Baker Mayfield's side, mainly because my biggest complaint was the fact that he played through an injury. And I don't know if that was him that decided to go out and play. If it was him, then yeah, yeah then I'd have it, it taken it. But I wouldn't put it past the actual team and having him go out there and play. It's such a brown thing for them to actually do that. I I think- no in a situation like that, it was definitely, you know, if you're a coach and your you know starting quarterback comes to you and was like you know, I'm healthy enough to play. And the doctor's like, yeah, like he can functionally go out there. It's not his throwing shoulder. If you're, if your player says, Hey, I can play, then you know you play your quarterback. I, I guess my, my, my rebuttal to that. And then I'll, I'll kind of give my answer to the first question I asked was first, how much pressure was being put on Baker Mayfield to play, to be like, Hey, prove to us that you can be the guy. And if he didn't play, you know, you have to think in his mind, he's like, what does that mean for me in this franchise going forward? Second, mm-hmm. to answer the question, that was really his only real injury. So if you look over the last two years with that defense, with the weapons that they have, with the way that he's been playing compared to the other quarterbacks play on the roster, would you not think that this team would be in a better position than what they were last year and maybe even what they are this year? They're not having to rely on a 34-year-old Joe Flacco who, like, yes, is playing well, but again, he's it's not like it's not like he's lighting the world on fire. You know what I mean? Like he has the best defense in the league and they're keeping them in games. You know what I mean? So like in my mind I mean I I understand what you're saying. They gave, they gave up still... a lot for Deshaun Watson to not play. And mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield has played Blake. at at least a top twenty, if not top fifteen quarterback level with Tampa. Obviously, that team. Yeah, but he's performed. also he's also played against a lot of weaker opponents. I'm I'm not. I I've always thought Baker has been a a good quarterback, but I see him as a quarterback that's on a, a same level as like a Derek Carr. He can he can play well. He can beat up on bad teams, but consistency has been an issue, and stepping up in clutch moments has been inconsistent for him. Um, again, I give credit to to Baker for playing really well this year. Um, you know, he didn't really play that well this past week when they had a chance to, to clinch a playoff spot, but you know, they're going up against the Panthers this coming week. So, you know, hopefully he'll play better. Um, but you moved on from Baker because you saw the talent around this team and the Browns saw an opportunity with Deshaun Watson knowing what he was the last time he played and the level that he could get back to. They thought, okay, this player, he's already better than what we have. And we believe that he is going to be better equipped to kind of take us to where we need to go. Um, You know, obviously it hasn't worked out to this point how the Browns had planned, but I don't blame them for taking that risk because, you know, so, you know, sometimes to be, you know, to get to where you want to go, you have to take a big risk. 
And with a big risk comes a big reward, but there's also, you know, the chance that it blows up in your face. So, you know, I don't really blame the Browns for taking that risk because there were 16 other teams that were willing to take that risk too. Um, so it's, it's not the, I mean, it's, it's not the risk part. It's just looking back at it and being like Baker could be successful in that offense. And we saw him be successful in that offense for one year. And then he played hurt the second year. You know what I mean? So like giving him mm. the opportunity for two years to come in here and even even if I mean, he put up personally he put up these stats for two years exactly like he has, I still think the Browns would have been in a better spot than what they are now. And who knows? I, I think they'd be in the same if if the Browns had Baker right now, I'd still think they'd be ten and six, eleven and five. I think they'd be pretty much in the exact same spot that they're right now. I don't know, man. That's you have you have more consistent quarterback play out of Baker Mayfield than what you would have gotten out of all the all the quarterbacks combined that have played the past two years, and who knows? You also have to look at the the situation. He would have the the situation is different. When we had Baker, he he didn't. Well, we have Amari Cooper now, but you know you look at the the receiving core that he has down in Tampa. I think overall. With Mike Evans and Chris, um, yeah, Chris Godwin, it's better overall than what the Browns have in just Amari Cooper. I th- I think that really makes things too. easier. Elijah Moore's not bad. Like I, I wouldn't say uh, Chris Godwin. Uh, Elijah, bad. hold on, let me finish. Elijah Moore is not at the same level as Chris Godwin, and and while I think Njoku was a top five tight end in football, I that's still not at the same level as Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. They're also a really pass-dependent offense because they can't run the ball at all, and they're lucky enough to have Rashad White, who's great at uh, catching the ball out of the backfield. So I feel like a lot of Baker's numbers are because they can't run the ball, so they have to throw the ball down the field. Where, you know, with the Browns having Nick Chubb, you know, they were – Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, they were able to to kind of take that pressure off of him. Um, again, I'm not denying that Baker's had a, a good season, but I still think overall the Browns would roughly be in the same spot that they're in now. Because I, I, you know, let you know, let let's play a, a hypothetical scenario, and on the play that Baker got injured, Anthony Schwartz finishes his his route, and either the interception never happens or he forces the the defensive back out of bounds. Baker doesn't get injured. Baker probably would have had a respectable season and got a Daniel Jones type extension. But if let's say Baker did get hurt still and he sat out instead of playing, I still think he would have got a decent extension. He'd be having roughly the same production. I I still think it would have been more of the same. And I think but, but you guys you know, but you guys said even and I said even if even if he had the same exact production that he's had over the past two years of his career, you guys said it was easy, easy that you would take quarterback number one over quarterback number two. And quarterback one was Baker Mayfield, and quarterback two was every other quarterback combined that played for the Browns over the same time period. So again, yeah, but like, you also you also have to to look at the, the nuances of the situation because it not it's not just a black and white situation as you're making know. it out to be. I don't well, we gotta move on, but We'll we'll disagree. Let us know what you guys think at home on this one. Um, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. All right, factor cap. 
real quick. I know David's got to get out of here in 15 minutes, so we'll, we'll knock these out. Factor cap, guys. These are just going to be two. There's two ones in here, um, and they're just kind of opinions that I have, and you guys got to let me know if you think they're factor, if you think they're cap. Um, people have made a lot of comments about Russell, the Russell Wilson trade being the worst trade ever. But I actually think that the trade for Sean Payton might go down as the worst trade in Broncos history and maybe even in the NFL. Because I think the way that he's handled Russell Wilson has really devalued what that trade was, even though Russell Wilson has played pretty decently this year. Um, And I think that just the negativity and this weird energy that he's put into the locker room I don't know if this team is really going to be able to recover from it. And I could see them having like two losing seasons in a row. And then I could see the Broncos moving on from Sean Payton. So them giving up a first and a second round pick for him. And then kind of choosing him over Russell Wilson. I could see that trade being really bad for them because it sets that franchise back again when they thought that they had their coach and they thought they had their quarterback for the future, at least for the next four or five seasons. What do you guys think? I'm going to disagree just because they gave up a lot to bring Russell Wilson in. They're not going to go anywhere with him because he puts up a lot of empty stats and the the team is not going to get any better because they don't have a lot of flexibility. They don't have a lot of assets. The team is going to be what it is with Russell Wilson. The fact that they got to seven wins this year, I think is a lot of credit to Sean Payton, honestly. Um, Cause he, I think he's, you know, he's a guy that, you know, you either love him or you hate him, but you know, he's won pretty consistently at, at the NFL level as a head coach. So I, I think he kind of knows what to do, but he also knows the kind of players that he meshes well with. And to me, it doesn't seem like Russell Wilson and Sean Payton really are on the same page football-wise, and you know maybe they don't really get along that well. Um, but is, but, but I not, think move, but that's not Wilson's fault. That would be the organization. It's not, it's not Wilson's Sean fault, Payton's but I, fault. I think long-term, I think it's the right move. Also, Sean Payton didn't he came in after Russell Wilson was already there. This is, this wasn't his quarterback. This wasn't his, you know, I, I don't know if Sean Payton was the head coach a couple of years ago, if the Broncos would have made the trade for Russell Wilson. I think the, the Broncos front office and ownership group is willing to give Sean Payton, you know, four to five years to really build things out how he wants to. And I think the big piece in that is moving on from Russell Wilson, probably tanking next year and getting a high draft pick and, you know, maybe getting a quarterback this year if someone's able to fall. But that's if they have you got to start. Next year. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But let me, but David, you got to start a rebuild. What's your opinion on this one, David? What do you think? You think I'm you think I'm right on this? You think I missed on it? I think you're kind of missing on it a little bit because to me, it's a two way street. But I would say it's more on Russell Wilson than anything for the simple fact that they gave so much up for Russell Wilson. They, Like you said, they gave up, what, a first round and a second round for Sean Payton? 
That's that's a, which, that's a lot for a head coach. I mean, that's you don't give it's up a lot that for a head coach, but they gave up. Problem. They gave up. How much did they give? Yeah, they gave up multiple first for Russell Wilson. They gave up Noah Fant as well, who has been a decent tight end for Seattle. He's not he's not lighting the world on fire, but he's still a pretty decent tight end. And you basically created the Seattle Seahawks' future for them without even trying. You With gave up a first. How they've been able to build that team, yeah. Yeah. So you gave up a, a lot for Russell Wilson and not getting the production that you wanted out of him. Sean Payton, if you gave up just the first and second round pick for a head coach and you gave him, what, two to three years to build a team that he wanted to create with all with Noah Fant, with the draft picks that you would have given up for Russell Wilson. Just imagine what he could have done with those draft picks. But here's here's where you guys are missing on this is first, Sean Payton didn't go into that situation where he could build the team that he wanted. He went into a situation where they had already given up all that for Russell Wilson. So for right. him to create that toxic of an environment and create that bad of a relationship with the with the quarterback they gave up all that for, there was no future. There was no future for him to then go and rebuild over the next couple years. So for him, I think that the to- the situation was already toxic after how yeah. things went last year. Yeah, but no, it's not it's, like it's, a, it's, a it's not like Sean Payton came in Nathaniel, and was Nathaniel like Nathaniel Hackett um, was a different head coach than what Sean Payton was, and Nathaniel Hackett was an awful head coach and put that team in an mm-hmm. awful situation. I don't think that you could blame. I mean, the players obviously. I guess you could have said they could have played better, but how much better can you play when your head coach is one of the worst head coaches that was in the league right. last year? But so at the end Sean Payton came into a situation that, that was already coming, bad. There was it was already bad, and after last year, you know the the vibes in the building probably weren't that great, and everyone was already saying that the Russell Wilson trade was a bust and how Russ is cooked. Um, you know, how, I think how, Russ how has played. Be, how can you be cooked when you're in a a shit situation? I mean, that's not. I mean, we, we've we've had that conversation about Justin Fields, and I mean, look how he's turned around and played better. I mean, despite every all the disadvantages that he has there. So again, I mean, I don't know. And the other thing is, I'll say this right, and I gave you those stats of 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 the quarterbacks before that we talked about. In in the past two seasons for Denver, Russ has sixty six hundred passing yards. He has what forty eight touchdowns to twenty four turnovers. Um, he has sixty. Three and a half percent completion and six hundred rushing yards. So, like, yes, is that top top quarterback numbers? No, but that's top half of the league, if not almost top yeah, ten the, quarterback. But numbers. they but they gave up top top price tag to bring yes, him in. But you have to you have to think that first season right was Nathaniel Hackett, who did not put them in a position to be successful at all, and then in the second season you have this you have this negative relationship between the head coach and the quarterback and what six weeks ago they went to him and said hey if you don't change your contract you're going to be benched and he went out there and played anyway right so that has to affect somebody mentally and then we've talked about it before that those wide receivers on that team have underperformed since day one like none of them have performed the way that they're supposed to so how is that sean payton's fault but what i'm saying is again 
I think a lot of it has been blamed on Russell Wilson in that trade. I don't think that trade would have been bad if you would have had a head coach that would have gone in there and would have worked with him, would have decided to see what his skill set was and not write him off and not build a negative relationship. And I think they would have been a lot more successful than what they were. And that's why I think the trade for him should go down as the worst trade between that and the Russell Wilson trade because he is going to set them back years because not only did they give up first-round capital for Russell Wilson, they gave up first-round capital for Sean Payton, which means that they don't have... Right, but they could also trade Russell Wilson, which they probably will if they're... No. They'll they'll probably probably try to trade Russell Wilson. Nobody's taking that contract. Nobody's nobody's taking that contract. That's what I'm saying. They're going to have to cut him. There's already reports saying that they're going to cut him. Like... They're, you know what I'm saying? So they're not only are they going to have, I think it's like almost $40 million a year that's going to be a cap hit, but they have no picks for their future. So they'll have, they'll have a, they'll have a first round pick next year. It's going to be tough, man. I don't and know. They'll, they'll, ha- they'll have a first round pick next year and next year they're probably not going to be that good. And, you know, this, this is a pretty deep draft class. And yeah, they don't have a first round pick, but they have, you know, picks second through seventh round. They don't have their second they can, round this year. They they traded right, that one so they, for, for Sean. You'll Payton. still they'll still be able to get at least something in the mid rounds of the draft, and then next year when you're really starting to your rebuild, you'll have your first round pick back. You know th- this team wasn't going to be going anywhere with Russell Wilson. I again, I think at best seven and nine was their ceiling, and we, what's the point of? keeping Russell Wilson around if you're just going to be seven and nine every year. So you mm-hmm. move on, you start your rebuild, get hopefully your quarterback of the future. And, you know, I don't know, man, just, I disagree. Uh, I disagree wholeheartedly. I do. I think, I think if you would actually have had a head coach that, that gave a damn about what the organization was in and what they gave up and wasn't as immature as he is, I think that this team would have been in a lot better of a place because you would have had a lot better I mean, relationship with your. The Broncos gave up what two firsts, two seconds, Noah Fant, and um, that quarterback that was starting for the the Seahawks last couple weeks. Um, oh, um, what is his name? I just you, you know who I'm talking about. The, the, I just made a joke about him the other day because I was like, I didn't realize yeah. he was still in the league. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like you gave up. All of that for a quarterback that was already what thirty five when they traded for him, thirty four, thirty five when they traded for him. Like it, you gave up a young quarterback, a young tight end that has been one of the more reliable tight ends in football this year, and a ton of draft capital that the Seahawks have turned into a lot of good assets, and they have a really strong, you know, foundation for this team. You know, you gave up all of that for hopefully short-term success with Russell Wilson. And you gave up, you know, potentially, you know, five to eight years of being a a real contender for a a short-sighted move to try to go in, to go all in right now. And it, it really has backfired, but, you know, bringing in uh, a coach like Sean Payton, that is, you know, widely respected in the league and has won, he's won a Super Bowl. You know that brings a level of, but what you know, perspective what success did he have without the Hall of Fame quarterback that he had? 
I mean, that's what success has Bill Belichick had without also, without exactly, Tom Brady. That's but that but the question is again, and then is is he respected? You, you can't. He was, you can't he was blame the, the he coach. was at the center of Bounty Gate. So is he really that respected? Like, I mean, come on. Like, let's. But again, I mean, it, yes. There's there's a reason why he was he was in New Orleans for so long. Hindsight's twenty twenty. He was obviously a respected head coach. And and we can we can look at the the Russell Wilson trade and be like yes everything that they gave up Seattle has done a lot with and and sure should should maybe they have traded for him I don't know I mean in the moment they thought that they that that was a good move for them to actually have a quarterback and when we've talked we talked about it years before that 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 defense was always top notch and they never had a quarterback to to go with it um, and. I don't know. I again, I just go back to the point of like you bring in Sean Payton. Sean Payton knows what they gave up to bring in Russell Wilson, and he still chose anyway to have a negative relationship with him and to sour the locker room. So again, you're I like, mean, I I don't think anyone chooses to do that. I think it just kind of happens. No, I, and I you think, can go I in. You can go into to. a situation. You can go into a situation and you know think things will work out and hope things will work out. But, you know, things obviously play out differently than how you expect them to a lot of times. So Sean Payton may have thought, okay, you know, I've never worked with Russell Wilson before, but I know he has a good reputation in the league. I'm sure we can make it work. And unfortunately, you get into the situation, you realize, okay, this isn't going to work between us and something needs to change. You know, I don't I don't think Sean Payton went in purposely trying to poke Russell Wilson's buttons and sour the situation and, you know, make the locker room toxic. I don't think any coach goes in with that mindset. But didn't he though? I mean, the first thing he said to him, was why, why gotta, would he? The first thing he said to it, him was he's, he's got to stop being so political and stop kissing babies. Like, I mean, like that's the, that's, that's the, the first conversation they had. And then you go to the, again, to that point of them being like, Oh, if you don't change your contract, then we're going to bench you at some point, but we're not going to tell you when we're going to bench you. So again, like, I just don't, I don't understand how you look at that and you don't say he created a toxic situation along with the general manager staff and you don't look at them and you'd be like, you ruined the Russell Wilson trade, not Russell Wilson. The reason it's a bust is not because he didn't play well because he didn't play bad. Now, was he like, he played average. I would say he was above average. Like I said, I think, I think he played top 14, top 13 in the league quarterback wise through when you look at the stats totality over the past two years. But I just think that again, I, I think it's a lot on a lot on other people for not making that situation better. They made it worse and it almost feels like it was on purpose um, to push him out. So I don't know, Yeah, but it in any situation like this, it's never just on one person. And I, I think if we try to to blame it all on one person, then I think we're being foolish. You know, are there things that Sean Payton did wrong? Absolutely. But it's not all on Sean Payton. You know, Russ could have played a little bit better, could have played a lot better. Um, you know, I, I think it's there there's enough blame to go around it. I don't I don't think it's fair to put it all on one person because it takes multiple people for a situation like this to really take the nosedive that it has. Yeah. I don't know. Let us know what you guys think at home about this one. Uh, second one I got here. Um, I think this season gives the Bengals 
a reason to finally move on from Zach Taylor. Um, 81 games with the Bengals. He's 36, 44, and 1. There had been talks to fire him before Burrow even fell into his lap. And kind of with Brandon Staley, there's been a lot of questions about the calls that he makes. But the one thing that I think is the stat that brings into question his coaching ability the most is that he's 9-20 and against AFC North teams in his time with as the Bengals head coach. And no, that doesn't sound awful because, of course, they went to the AFC Championship game. But when you think about your path to the playoffs, you have to beat your division opponents, your division rivals. And I think his inability to do that should, at the very least, question his ability to still be that coach. And it should also bring into question because they allowed you know, what was it, Marvin Lewis, to be that coach for 20 years and really bring about mediocrity. And I think with Joe Burrow, you cannot waste another potential Hall of Fame quarterback and be mediocre. So in my mind, I think this season, looking at everything, the way that everything is gone, I think that you could easily justify moving on from him and maybe bringing in somebody else. What do you think? Um... Well, I think that the Bengals should move on from Zach Taylor, and I agree that he's been, you know, a pretty mediocre quarterback. Um, the fact that they were able to lose Joe Burrow and still be in playoff contention going into week 17 of the NFL season, um, I think the Bengals will use that as justification to keep him around because he kept the team in playoff contention with a backup quarterback. And they'll go in saying, okay, next year we'll have Joe Burrow healthy. You know, we'll be back to the Bengals that we were. I mean, hell, we were in playoff contention going to the second last week of the season with Jake Browning as our quarterback. You know, they'll say, all right, let's, we don't need to do a complete, you know, organizational change, you know, tweak some things around the edges and get Joe Burrow back healthy and, you know, think things will be fine. Um, but I, I agree that I think the smart long-term move would be to move on from Zach Taylor. I just don't think that they will. I think if the team completely collapsed and this was a team that finished the season with four to five wins, then yeah, I think you can really justify making that move. But the fact that they'll probably finish with seven or eight, well, I think they're at seven wins right now. They're, they're um, eight and eight right now. I think so. They're eight and eight right now. The the Browns are going to be they're locked into the five spots. So the Browns will probably be resting all of their starters. Um, so if the Bengals, it wouldn't surprise me if they beat the Browns this week because the Browns will be resting everybody. So if the Bengals finished nine and eight, and only had Joe Burrow for what the first six weeks of the season, and he was injured for the first three of them. You know, I I think they'll use that as justification to to keep Zach Taylor around. I think yeah. the bigger indictment on the on the Bengals is their inability to develop a, a solid offensive line in front of Burrow to keep him healthy. I think that's the the biggest failure of the franchise, not not just Zach Taylor. Yeah, I don't I don't think he's the only thing, but if if they don't beat the Browns this week, he's zero and six against the AFC North this year. I mean, think about that. I now I know the ba- the the Ravens are the Ravens like they've kind of run through the AFC North but again like you're talking yeah, but about again, a Browns you... team that's that's very injured 
and as good as they've been playing, that's still you should still split this this the season series with them, and you can't even beat Pittsburgh. Like, the Pittsburgh's had two of its best games against Cincinnati offensively, and this is a team that well offensively say, has not been able to do anything. So, but the caveat to that is Joe Burrow has been out. You you look at the games against the Steelers. If Joe Burrow is playing in that first game, the the Bengals probably win. I don't know. I mean that that was the first time that the Steelers had 400 yards of offense in three years. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I don't know. I I get it. I understand that the, he's probably going to be given the benefit of the doubt because Burrow's injured, right? But I just think that I think if I'm in the front office, I'm afraid of another Marvin Lewis for 20 years where you waste Carson Palmer, you waste Andy Dalton and you don't give yourself an opportunity to truly be competitive. You know, I know they made it to the Super Bowl. They lost, you know, the last second of the game. They could have won that. I get that. I understand that that changes things, but I don't I mean, know. It, you also have to look from the Bengals perspective. Yeah. Zach Taylor has his flaws, but every coach does. But what has he really done to earn being on the hot seat from the looking at at how he's been, especially since Burrow, he's gone to back to back AFC championship games and he's been their coach. He went to one Super Bowl, like you said, seconds away from winning it. This year you go in thinking, you know, we're going to be right back in there. We're going to be competitive. And then Burrow gets hurt and your season kind of falls apart, but you're still able to be a competitive team. This year, going into the offseason, they're going to have to figure out something to do with T. Higgins. They'll probably move on from him, and they'll probably be moving on from Joe Mixon. I think Zach Taylor has won enough with an organization that really hasn't been you know, super relevant over the last 20 years. Um, obviously, they're super relevant now, but I think he's done enough to earn another couple years to kind of see them through this phase where – you know, we they paid Joe Burrow, and now they have to reshuffle the team a little bit because they don't have enough cap space to to go around and pay all the talent that they have on offense. So I think he's he's earned another couple of years to kind of see this transition through. And then, yeah, if it still falls apart and they're nine and eight every year and barely making the playoffs or not making the playoffs, then yeah, I think they'll move on. But I think he's got at least this year and next year see what the team looks like when they move on from uh, T. Higgins and uh, Joe Mixon and kind of see where things go. Yeah. I don't know. It's just... because, I mean, you don't want to get to the point where NBA teams are starting to become – or NFL teams are becoming like NBA teams and firing coaches a year after winning a championship because, you know, they, they feel like it's time to move on because they did, you know, one or two things that the organization didn't like. You don't want to be – but that's different here, though. I mean, that's just not the same thing. I mean, you have to think, like, you you could always, you could probably make an excuse for him getting another chance every year for the next five years. But does that does that change the fact that he's a very mediocre coach? You know what I mean? Like, I get it. Like, again, we can make the argument, but I mean, okay, just two seasons ago he was in the Super Bowl. He didn't have Joe Flacco. I get that. Obviously, they're going to give him another chance. You know what I mean? Next year. But then what happens next year if, oh, you know, they don't have Joe Mixon, they don't have T. Higgins, they have a lot of rookies, you know, okay, they were 9-8 and eight again, just missed out on the playoffs. 
give him another give him another year for those guys to develop, right? Like, all right. And then you're like, okay, now we go into the next year and maybe Joe Burrow gets hurt again. You know what I mean? Oh, I didn't have Joe Burrow again. But I like, mean, yeah, that you can come up with all these what if scenarios, but also to this point, what has he done to be considered a mediocre head coach? I do feel like some of the calls he makes aren't great. You know what I mean? I, I don't I mean, do you think that all the calls that that Mike Tomlin makes are great? I don't think all the calls that Kevin Stefanski makes are great, but that doesn't mean that I think they're mediocre head coaches. Every but coach there's, but there, there's, is gonna there, is gonna make calls between, that the fan base doesn't there's like. There's a difference between disagreeing with a call and then calls that are kind of game altering. I don't think that Kevin Stefanski or Mike Tomlin make calls in games that are negatively impacting the games. You know what I mean? You look at like a Brandon Staley specifically and you say the calls that he makes are negative that natively impact games and i think that i think i think that's a little different because brandon saley is brandon saley is much worse than than zach taylor because brandon saley has had teams that on paper stack up to or exceed in a lot of cases what the Bengals have been on paper but with zach taylor he he went to two back-to-back afc championship games and almost won a super bowl Brandon Staley has all this talent, a quarterback that's on the same level as Joe Burrow, and goes five and eleven every year. Yeah, I, I think that that's com- a completely different situation. You know, and I don't think you can really blame him for not having a good year his first year because Joe Burrow wasn't there and the team was absolute garbage. And you, I don't think we can really hold it against a head coach just because he's only having success now because all of a sudden the team is better. Well, obviously that that you want your your players, you want your roster to be better, and I don't think we should hold it against a coach because he's winning because he has a good quarterback. Like you, you want a good coach with a good quarterback. Yeah. Just because he's he's not winning with, you know, the the UFL All Stars and you know UFL. us on the 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 UFL All Stars and David <laughs> quarterback. And he's somehow able to elevate. Hey, he's got a better you know, quarterback. That kind of roster, <laughs> like it. I, I feel like when we talk about you know our quarterbacks good or our coach is good, we hold it against them if they're not able to win a Super Bowl with the you know the 2017, 2018, or twenty sixteen or twenty seventeen Browns roster. And I, I think that's really unfair. Like you know, God forbid, a quarterback has a good team around him and he and he's able to win a Super Bowl. I'm not. I'm not saying you, but I, it, it seems like when you know you you hear people talk about sports, or you're you know you're just talking, you know, sports with people. They they hold it against coaches and quarterbacks that have success because they have a good team around him. I, I think that you know is something that that's held against Brock Purdy a lot this year. Um, you know, because yeah. you know, God forbid, he has a good team around him and he's putting up good stats, but everyone's like, eh, is, is he really that good? Well. You know, yeah. Obviously, if you take away all of his weapons, no quarterback besides Tom Brady is is going to be able to put up good numbers. Look at uh, Patrick Mahomes this year. He has no weapons besides Travis Kelsey, who seems to be more focused on Taylor Swift than football right now. And he's got (laughs) Richie James. He's got he's got Richie James catching punts in the back of the end zone, and he's got Kadarius Tony. That I don't even know if he physically, I don't know if he physically has hands. He doesn't. He doesn't. We we actually so, sent that to the the nerds there at MIT, and they actually looked into it. He does not have hands. 
So like, <laughs> e- even even a quarterback as great as Patrick Mahomes, if you take away his weapons, he's not able to be as effective. So, you know, I don't think we can really hold it against guys because they're having good seasons because their weapons are good and their their roster's good around them. So, I th- I think Zach Taylor has has won enough with this organization to earn another couple of years at least. I I agree. I mean, I don't know. I, I put this up there only because like, again, I I just I view that record against the AFC North as a really, just, I don't know. It it just looks really bad to me. And again, I mean, it I, it looks bad, but you also have to remember the the last couple of years. This has been arguably the the toughest division in football. Yeah, especially this year. But but not. But I mean. Nine and twenty, you you would hope that it would be with with Joe Burrow. You got to think like Joe Burrow, quarterback wise, is on the same level as Lamar Jackson, if not regarded better, right? So you would think that that in you they may not be you know twenty and zero, but you would hope that it would be closer to where they have you know at least a sixty five percent win percentage against their own division. Like they, yeah, they sh- I mean they, they should probably be sweeping the Steelers and they should probably be one and one with the Browns and the Ravens, if not maybe getting some more of those matchups, you know what I mean? So obviously, yes, I, I, I agree that because of the success that they've had. Right. And I do think you could credit him with some team building and some scheme, you know what I mean? And, and I think that that's fair, right? They've gone to two AFC championship games. They've gone to a super bowl. Like, they're still eight and eight this year. I understand that. I understand that he's going to get some more leeway, but at some point, you know, and maybe he'll prove me wrong. Maybe he'll go out there and they'll be, you know, 12 wins every year that he coaches or more, and they'll be competing for Super Bowls. And and I don't know, but it just, it is a very like telling thing to me. Like I said, that you, that you're nine and 20 against your own division and you, I mean, if I'm the Bengals, I, I get the record doesn't look good, but if I'm the Bengals, yeah, it sucks. I'm nine and twenty against teams in my division, but I've been to two straight AFC Championship games and almost won the Super Bowl. Like, yeah, it sucks to not be that great against your division, but you know, while everyone else is you know vacationing in in January or getting knocked out of the playoffs, you know they were competing for Super Bowls. So, it, yeah. yeah, it sucks. You want to be better against your division, but if you're the one that's competing for a Super Bowl every year while everyone else is at home, you know, I think it's kind of getting a little nitpicky in, in criticism. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, Let's move on to will they or won't they? This has been the, the question of the year, Mr. Justin Fields. The Bears have the number one overall pick now, for sure, because the Panthers are hot, hot, hot garbage. Um. Dom, has Justin Fields done enough to where you think the Bears decide to keep him and trade the number one overall pick? Will they or won't they? Um, I don't think they'll trade the number one pick. I think he's Justin Fields has shown enough to me, and um, clearly he's shown enough to Bears fans where they want him uh, as their quarterback long term. I still think, I still think they'll they'll pick Caleb Williams. They'll either they'll either still pick Caleb Williams first or they'll pick like Marvin Harrison Jr. first. But if you draft Caleb Williams first, you keep Justin Fields, you play Justin Fields next year, let Caleb Williams learn and sit and you know, not 
be thrown into the fire his rookie year. And if Justin Fields still plays well, then his trade value skyrockets going into the next offseason, and you can trade him for a lot more assets than what you can get now if you trade him. Um, That's not the move that I would take. It's a move that I wouldn't be surprised if they did take it. Personally, I would go get Marvin Harrison Jr. at number one, or I would I would trade back because you can probably get Marvin Harrison Jr. you know at three or four because a team trading up to number one is obviously going to be trading up to get a quarterback. So I would either trade back a couple spots, but not trade back you know significantly far, or, or I would you know as much as I don't like Caleb Williams, I would probably draft Drake May. Um, but at that point, I wouldn't draft Drake May at number one. You know, so personally, I would probably trade back a couple spots, get more assets, and still take Marvin Harrison Jr. at you know probably three. I would I would almost take that pick, and because they still have, I think a, they'll still have a top ten pick, I believe. So no, they're outside the they're the Bears pick alone is outside the top ten. Well, it's outside the top ten now. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's a tough one because I think, like you said, you could do a couple things with it. If I'm being honest, like, I think that they, I don't think that they'll keep Justin Fields. If I'm being honest, I just have a feeling that they're, they're like, thank you for playing well, because now we can trade you and get something out of you. Um, Because I think there's teams that are going to be at the end of that first round. They're going to be looking for maybe a quarterback that they might want to build around. And I think you're looking at like, you know, maybe maybe a Seattle, maybe a Pittsburgh, um, maybe I don't know how long Baker's contract is with Tampa, but maybe even Tampa looks at Justin Fields. One year deal. Maybe Tampa looks at Justin Fields and goes, Hey, like we like Baker, but Justin Fields upside looks a little bit more, right? Um maybe it's a team like Atlanta that maybe is still in the top ten, but I think they might be in the top ten. Um, or close to it at least, that might go, hey, that's definitely better than what we have on the roster. You know what I mean? And I think that those are there's a lot of landing spots for him that could be enticing that you could potentially get a first-round pick out of if a team is desperate enough. Um, And that could give them three first-round picks in this draft, or maybe they get two in this draft and two in the next one. And they go out and they get their quarterback with the first overall pick and they kind of reset themselves and they bring in some talent and they move on. You know what I mean? Because if they keep Justin Fields, they're going to have to pay him. You know, it won't start next season or the season after that, I believe. But then, you know, they're going to have to start paying him big money if they want him to be their guy. And I mean, let's be let's be honest. Is Yes, they'll have to pay him, but with how he's played, He's not going to be getting top ten quarterback money. But we're we're talking so about two years down the road, though, that they're going to have to give him a contract. So we don't know what he's going to play like next year, or the year after that. You know what I mean? So it's like, what what does he look like? And then at the same time, if you're the Bears organization, can you really pass up on the opportunity of having now a second first round pick in a row? You know what I mean? Like, because what you missed out on either Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud last year who I think we, if CJ Stroud you look at him you go shoulda woulda coulda on that one that might have been the pick and then now you look at this year and you go everybody thinks so highly of 
you know, Caleb Williams or Drake May, and you're like, ah, do we pass up on that again? Again for a guy that has taken maybe some time to develop in some people's eyes, maybe a guy that they've used to run a lot, maybe he starts to get some injuries because of that. You know what I mean? Like, I hope not, but those are the conversations that are, I think are being had. And I think right now you look at him and there are teams out there that look at him and go, hey, he's better than what we have. The upside's better. And we could put him in a situation to be successful and they're desperate enough to give up a first-round draft pick for him. I don't know. But I do agree. If they do decide to keep him, I think that they just take Marvin Harrison Jr. with that first overall pick. Because Marvin Harrison Jr. and DJ Moore... That's nice. <laughs> That's a yeah, nice set of I mean, <laughs> Justin Fields is only 24 right now. Yeah. And, you know, who's to say, you know, he doesn't have a – and only 24, he's still got his whole career in front of him. Um, and, you know, with having two first-round picks, they can go and really solidify that wide receiving room. And then with their next pick, they can go get an offensive – um you know, any offensive line position, honestly. Um, I'm trying to pull up a mock draft right now. Um, all right, so this one has the Bears taking Caleb Williams at one and, and Dallas Turner at 10. But there was another one that I saw where they traded the first-round pick and then st- still drafted Caleb Williams at eight. Um, you know, I, I don't know Caleb I would. I want Caleb Williams to drop to eight because I really don't think he's that good. Um, but I don't think he will drop to eight. I think this one here with Dallas Turner at 10 and um, Caleb Williams at one is probably more realistic. But, you know, if if I do keep the pick, you know, it probably would take Marvin Harrison Jr. But also looking at this mock draft, quarterbacks go the first three picks because you've got the Bears, the Commanders, and the Patriots. And you also have, uh, I think the Jets may be a team at five that could want to trade up. Um, Marvin Harrison Jr. is a guy that I think you can get between three to five. So if I'm the Bears, is it uh, worth taking Marvin Harrison Jr. at one who, who's when at we four? can trade back to uh, the Cardinals. The Cardinals are taking. So him. this actually so you, has the Cardinals taking Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah, you you you'd have to be three, which means you just have to flip flop with like the Patriots. You know what I mean? Like, I could see that. Yeah, the, being, it, like that 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 wouldn't be an awful. You job know, back. if I'm no, if I'm the Bears, I would rather do that because now you're accumulating more assets that you can use to build out the team. And I think I give a lot of credit to the Bears GM because he. You know, they they got up to a really bad start this year, but you look at how they've played since the trade deadline, the team has looked good. And a lot of the young guys are really starting to develop. Mm-hmm. And especially on that defense. So if you can get a couple more assets to to build out the team and still get the guy that you really want at three instead of one, I think it's a no brainer. Yeah, you move back two spots and maybe you get like a extra second and a sixth out of it or whatever like i think that's that's a pretty good deal like no it would probably be um you know you'd get the the number three you'd probably get a couple mid-round picks this year and the year after that as well maybe you maybe 
able to swindle them out of the, out of a, a first in the future too. Yeah. Well, no, I, I was saying obviously they're going to get I mean, that third with it, but I think I think you could get a third and that third pick, and you could get a second round pick this year from them, and maybe a scatter of other late round draft picks if you wanted it. But a, a first, right, and if I'm the Bears, I'm taking that yeah. heartbeat. One hundred percent, because you you know you're going to take Marvin Harrison anyway, and he's going to be there. Because the Commanders, but do the Commanders take a quarterback though? Like, yes. Are they is is Ron Rivera psychopathic enough to think that Sam Howell is still the guy? I don't know. Ron Rivera, Ron Rivera is probably going to be gone. I I think Jim Harbaugh. I think that that's a, a I think that's a conclusion at this point. I think um, he's going to be gone. And I just, while I, I just think Howell the... has. I'm sorry. I just had the funniest vision in my head of Jim Harbaugh being the commander's head coach and taking JJ McCarthy number two overall. <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyway, uh, yeah, move, let's move on. <laughs> well, while I do think Sam Howell has looked good at times this year, um, and I think he looked really good this last week, even though he wasn't supposed to be the starter. Um, I don't think that he is a guy that you really want to build your franchise around as, as like the guy. So no, I don't think the commanders go anything other than quarterback and they'll probably just take whoever's best available. They're they're second right now. Um, assuming that the, the bears go with this trade scenario with the Patriots, the Patriots would take Caleb Williams at one, which means the commanders would probably either take Drake may or Jaden Daniels at two. Um, Probably, probably Drake May at at two, and then Jaden Daniels at Drake. No, Jaden Daniels probably would probably drop to five at that point, Drake uh, because then the, the Bears would. Belichick would want over Caleb Williams, though. I don't think Belichick would want the headache that Caleb Williams is. You know what I mean? We're assuming that Belichick's yeah, still going to be but, there. But, that, but that's the thing that assuming that assuming that Belichick is there, he'll probably take May over Williams. Which means the Commanders would get Williams at two. The Bears would take Marvin Harrison Jr. at five. Which means, you know, then the the Cardinals either, you know, possibly reach on to Mecca Obuka or they take an offensive lineman. Yeah. Which, knowing Kyler Murray's injury history now, especially with his knee, it may be worth investing in that offensive line to keep him upright. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely Preferably a, a shorter offensive lineman, so it's easier for Kyler Murray to kind of see over him. But oh man, but we'll definitely have a uh, a draft centered episode probably when the season ends. I think uh, I have dreams of us doing a um a giant mock draft. We'll try to work that out, maybe potentially. If not, we'll uh we'll at least go I think over. We tried to top. do that in the past, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. But we'll, we'll try to work that out for you guys. If not, at the very least, we'll go over maybe what we think our top ten is going to be and and move on from that. But um, let's go to our next one here. Next game. Did you know? So did you know that Matthew Probably Stafford not. has been the quarterback for wide receivers who have had the most receiving yards in a season, the second most receiving yards in a season, and now the most receiving yards by a rookie in a season. That goes Calvin Johnson, Cooper Cup, and Puka Nakua. I only knew that because I saw it on ESPN like two days ago. <laughs> yes. I honestly, I, it, it just is a, um, now I, obviously I'm not going to give Matthew Stafford all the credit, but it is a very interesting stat. I think, I think if Matthew Stafford was still in Detroit, I don't know if we would 
really think about him any differently than what we did when he was there. Um, not that we didn't think he was a good quarterback, but I do think him going to Los Angeles and winning a championship and and us being able to look at him differently has really changed the mindset on how great of a quarterback he really is and where his place is in history. You know, I, I don't know if you feel the same or, or, you know, where you're at on that. I have always thought that Matthew Stafford has been a really good quarterback. And I, I remember either arguing with you about it or somebody else, but I, I always thought that Matthew Stafford was on pace to be a Hall of Fame quarterback. And I think that's, you know, only been solidified since the trade. Um, you know, he's been really impressive. He's been, I think, one of the better quarterbacks of his generation. You know, obviously best of his draft class. And I think, you know, he's he's still, what, 30, he's like 33, 34. You know, he's not really washed by any means. Um, so he's still got, you know, maybe another six to seven years left in him. And I, I, I think six, but <laughs> but yeah, at least at least like well, I mean, four, you, you figure you, like... you 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 see quarterbacks playing into the you know Aaron Rodgers is thirty eight. We've and... only ever seen one guy play as long as Tom Brady. Like, and I'm not I'm not saying that Matthew Stafford's going to be playing till he's forty five. But we've seen guys now play into their late late thirties, early forties, and be good quarterbacks. Drew Brees was, I think, thirty eight, thirty nine when he retired. Aaron Rodgers is thirty nine now, and obviously he only played four snaps this year. But last year he still had a respectable year with you know a bunch of rookies at wide receiver. Um, we look at what Joe Flacco is doing right now. You know, it, it's becoming more common to see quarterbacks in their late thirties still put up good numbers. And I don't see why Matthew Stafford wouldn't be able to do that. So you figure he's 34 right now, you know, four to five years, you know, he'll be 38, 39. Yeah. I think he could still be, you know, a, a good quarterback in a couple of years. Yeah. No, I think he's still got a good four years in him. I think before maybe the questions start coming up of whether or not he should be done. But I think the only thing for me about him being a Hall of Famer before he went to Los Angeles is I think you have to look at him like if he had stayed in Detroit, right, until he retired, I think you would have to look at him in the same light as like a Carson Palmer or like a Phillip Rivers, like really good quarterbacks, right? Like they put up really good numbers. Carson Palmer had Ocho Cinco, you know what I mean? So a guy that had a really good wide receiver that put up really good numbers, you know, Stafford had Megatron. I just think that at the end of the day, they would be in the same category. And I think you would have to question whether or not they really deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Like, yeah, they put up good numbers. They didn't always win. They didn't have much playoff success. Like, I don't think it's, inv- I don't think it's invalid to look at them and be like, do you deserve to be in the Hall of Fame? But I think there's no doubt now he has a Super Bowl. You've seen how successful he's been able to be, you know, with the Rams when he had an actual, you know, I, I don't I don't want to say that because I do feel like some of those Detroit teams were awful, but they definitely weren't at the level of what Los Angeles was when they won the Super Bowl. But No, and I don't think 
we can really hold it against Stafford, who even before, you know, going to the Rams was on pace to be top 10 in pretty much every statistical category as a quarterback. I don't think we can blame it on him because the front office was unable to put a good team around him besides Megatron. You know, you look at all of those years where he put up huge numbers. It was it was just him and Megatron. They were just playing backyard football. He was just healing it up to Megatron, and they were just they, they were just having having fun. But I don't think we can hold it against him that the front office was never able to put up or put together a good defense. They were never never able to get another couple weapons to put around Megatron, and it's not Matthew Stafford's fault that they were never able to run the ball as well. You know, I think he played amazing given those circumstances and the fact that he was able to put up those numbers with literally just Megatron, I think really speaks to how good he is as a quarterback. So I I think just because, you know, if he stayed in Detroit and never really won anything, I, I don't think that should invalidate how great he has been throughout his career. Um, overreaction or not an overreaction, Dom. Kevin Stefanski has already locked up coach of the year. I don't think that's an overreaction at all. I think I think going into into this past week, I think he was already the favorite for it. Mm-hmm. And the fact that this team is able to be eleven and five in the playoffs with four starting quarterbacks, like sixty five percent of their salary cap um on season ending IR. And the fact that this team looks to be coming into the best form that the team has played all year with all the injuries at the end of the season. Yeah, I, I think he's, you know, really locked up that coach of the year spot. I agree. Um, second one here, overreaction or not an overreaction? Mike Tomlin and the Pittsburgh Steelers have to, again, have to find a franchise quarterback this offseason. Yes, Absolutely. You know, it, I think it's a credit to Mike Tomlin that the team has been able to be at or around 500. Well, I mean, over 500 without a starting quarterback the last three years. But I think the team is going to be getting to a point where, you know, if you don't get a quarterback this year, I really think that you're going to see a drop off with this team. You know, I, I think this is really the last year of them being able to get by with with Kenny Pickett and Mitch Trubisky and somehow Mason Rudolph looks like a, a good quarterback right now. He, he's, um, he's finally gotten over that concussion that Miles Garrett gave him all those years ago. I, I, I think there's been more to it than that. But um, I think this is kind of the, the last year of, of them being able to stay competitive with, you know, really a black hole at quarterback. And, you know, you, you look at how the team was a couple weeks ago. It, it looked like the team was was at a breaking point. Um, luckily, they fired Matt Canada, and things have gotten better since then. But I I don't think that was a permanent solution for them. Uh, you, need, you need a quarterback to win in the NFL. I don't think you need an elite-level quarterback to win a Super Bowl, but you need a good quarterback to, to really be competitive. And the Steelers don't have that. And it's going to get to the point eventually where, you know, wide receivers are going to are going to leave. You know, defensive players can only do so much and they're not going to stick around if, you know, their career is going to take a turn because 
while they're a good player, they're they're getting burned a lot because they're exhausted because they're on the field so much, and it's going to really hurt their long term career. So, you know, you you need to get a quarterback this year, and I think I think you guys need to do it by really any means necessary. I agree, I agree, I agree. I don't know who they get. It's a tough spot. You know, when you're, yes, I mean, I think you kudos, guys either need to. I was, I was going to say uh, kudos to Mike Tomlin for always being, you know, nine and seven, nine and eight or whatever over the years. But that's uh, that's put them in a spot where they're not really in a position to take a quarterback at the top of the draft, which is really where you're going to find the quarterbacks with the most success. You know, not everybody's going to be a Tom Brady or a Brock Purdy. Most of the time, the quarterbacks that are going to be the best you're going to find in the, the top 10 range. So that's the thing is when you're constantly picking 17 to, you know, and later, you're just not, you're not going to find that there. So like you said, either they have to do whatever it takes to move up or you have to go look out in the market and find somebody and do whatever it takes to bring them in. And I just don't know who that is other than maybe, I guess, Justin Fields, or maybe you think that you could get it done with the Kirk Cousins or a Russell Wilson. I don't know, but it's a, It'll be very interesting to see what they decide to do. My fear is that they're just going to go with Mason Rudolph because he's playing well. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Second one. This is actually this is the last one. Sorry, not second one. Goodness gracious. Um, the parody in the NFL right now is making for one of the most important final weeks of the season ever. Um, obviously, you have Pittsburgh. You have Indy. You have T- um, Houston. Jacksonville, Buffalo, Tampa, New Orleans. There's a couple other teams I'm not mentioning, but all of them are basically vying for playoff spots in this final week. Their games are super important. Um, And I don't know. I know that every year we have like one or two teams that are really playing for a playoff spot, but it feels like we have almost 10, 12 teams that are still playing for a playoff spot this year. And you know, I just wonder to know if you think that's an overreaction that this is this is probably one of the most important final weeks of a season that we've really ever seen. No, I think so. And if you're the NFL, this is exactly what you've been wanting for years. Mm-hmm. Um, you want a league where you know more than half the league is, is competitive and, and vying for a playoff spot, and it creates more excitement with the fan bases, keeps them engaged more. Um, obviously is good for the players, you know, being competitive going into the last week of the season. I think it's just good for everybody, you know, to see a a league that's competitive and not, you know, seeing two or three teams, you know, really two teams just dominate and destroy everyone. And then nobody else has a chance to win. Um, No, I, I think it's, I'm super excited. I think it's great for the league. And, you know, I do think with how few playoff spots are left, and how many teams are still vying for playoff spots? Yeah, I, I think I think it can be classified as one of you know the most important final weeks ever. Yes, yes, I agree. I don't know. It should be very interesting. It should be a very fun, fun week to watch. All right, we have finally made it quarter four projection time. I promise we're almost done. We'll do this real quick. Steelers, Ravens, Steelers are fighting for a playoff spot. They have to win this game to secure their spot in the playoffs. Um, I think they need like maybe one or two other things to happen, but 
they need to win the game first and foremost. Do you think, Dom, that the Steelers pull this out, the Ravens sit their players, or do you think uh, Lamar and the Ravens come out and they decide to lay a hurting down on the Steelers? Who wins this game? Um, I think the Ravens will sit their starters, but I still think the Ravens win this game. Um, Because, you know, Tyler Huntley, he's still a a good quarterback, and he'll be starting in the game. Um, It's a division game, and the Ravens know if they beat the Steelers – They'll they'll ruin the Steelers season, and I don't think there there's really anything more at this point that that would make the Ravens happy than to keep arguably their biggest rival out of the playoffs. All right, I don't know. I think uh, I have a feeling the Steelers will eke this one out, make it to the playoffs, lose first round. That kind of feels how the season's going to go. Um, this offense has been clicking, so. I do think that the defense is good enough to stop Tyler Huntley and whoever else plays um, on Sunday if, if they do go that route of sitting people. Um, I do think that T.J. Watt still is very interested in cementing his defensive player of the year chances, so he'll be out there playing his butt off, and um, it'll be it'll be a tough game. I don't think that this is going to be a game where the Ravens blow out the Steelers, especially if they sit people. If they don't sit people and they, they all play, it very well could be a blowout because <laughs> the Ravens are that good. But if they do decide to sit their starters and a lot of those guys sit down, I do see this being a little bit of a closer game and, and maybe the Steelers squeak this one out. But I don't know. We'll see. It should be a fun one to watch. Now, this these next two are probably going to be definitely more important and definitely more fun to watch. Um, but it's going to be Texans versus Colts on this first one. Basically, this is a... I think this is just a win and in. I think maybe... They need one of them needs to win and they need the Steelers to lose, I believe. And the Bill or the Bills to lose. Sorry. One of them needs to win and they need the Bills or the Steelers to lose. But still, playoff implications. How do you think this one goes, Dom? I think the Colts take this one. Um, okay. as impressed as I am with CJ Stroud. Um I don't know. I the this Texan team has has had a lot of injuries recently. And you look at the Colts team, they are playing a really good football right now. And Gardner Minshew is having, um, I think, uh, a career-saving kind of year where I think, and rightfully so, I've been saying it for a couple of years now, um, he should be considered for a, a starting spot or at least be competitive for a starting spot. Um, you know, they, they seem to be a little bit healthier at this point. And, you know, we'll see how it goes, but, I, I think the the winner of this game will will really get the seven seed. Yeah, I'm gonna go with uh in CJ we trust on this one. I think last week he didn't play awful, but I don't think he played as well as he could have coming back. You know, he hadn't played in a couple weeks, so I think he was knocking some rust off. But I do think that if he wants to still be in the conversation for rookie of the year, he needs to come out and have a really good game because I do think Nakua has kind of locked it up. Um, especially with breaking the record. But I think that CJ needs to come out and have a good week. They need to win this game. And I'm going to go with this Texans team that has really been surprising us all year. I think they have one more surprise in the books for us, and, and they're going to win this game and, and hopefully get into the playoffs. Um, Last one here, Bills versus Dolphins. This one is simple. The Bills win and they're in. Not only are they in the playoffs, but they somehow win their division. And we were talking about this team, what? five, six weeks ago, we were like, they're done. Um, 
maybe not us, but a lot of the conversation was about how they were done for the season and, and there wasn't a pathway for them to come back. And here they are. So again, if they win, they're in. Not only are they in, but they win the division and they get home field um, for the first round of the playoffs. Now, the Dolphins will still make the playoffs. They'll just be, I think, the fifth or sixth seed. But how do you think this, Dom? Oh, my gosh. How do you think this game goes, Dom? Yeah, I take the Bills. I have no faith in the in this Dolphins team. Time and time again, they show you that we can beat up on you know, lesser teams, but when we got to play good teams, especially teams in the AFC, um, they fold like folding chairs and they just go and cry. Um, I mean, look, look at how the, the Ravens, <laughs> look at how the Ravens absolutely embarrassed them. Yeah. You know, th- this was a game that if the Dolphins won, they would have been the number one seed and they got absolutely destroyed. And it's been something that this team has done all season. All of their losses have been against teams that are at or above 500, that are teams that if they want to be considered a legit contender, are teams that they're going to have to beat. And time and time again, every time, they fold. So, no, I have no faith in this Dolphins team. The Bills destroyed them earlier in the year, and I think they're going to do it again. Yeah. Sorry, Dolphins fans. I I agree. I think, I think somehow, the Bills changed their offensive coordinator halfway through the season, just like the Steelers. And I think that that has made a difference. I think that we've seen a different air in that locker room. Um, obviously, Josh Allen still has his one interception a game, but he's throwing three or four touchdowns in a game, so that kind of negates that. And they're playing well. I think the only person really on that team that isn't playing to the level that you would want them to is Stefan Diggs. But hopefully he kind of gets right and they figure it out how to get him more interactive within the offense. Um, but yeah, I agree. I think that they win this game. I think the Dolphins really need to do some soul searching in the offseason and figure out how they're going to be more mentally tough going into next season. I think they have the talent to win the Super Bowl, but I think they just need to be a more mentally tough team. And I think that's that's really what their downfall is at this point is that they're just they're just I not. I think that will require enough. a change of quarterback. I don't think I don't think two is the problem. I don't think because he he's he he plays well enough. Like I think he's a he's a good quarterback. I think he plays well enough against bad teams, but against the good teams, look at how he played against Baltimore. But how I guess my other, my other question though is how much of it is is the scheme right? They other teams know what they want to do right? They want to do play action, you know, mid to to deep passes down the field. So Mike McDaniel's has to be more creative with what he does. I think I think they have to try to get people more involved, and I think that they've tried to do that right by getting Tyreek Hill more involved, maybe shorter, but. I don't know. It it doesn't it doesn't seem like it's all on Tua. I think it's a lot a lot on those guys on that team and and I'm surprised that we haven't heard more about Tyreek Hill coming out and really being a voice because he's been there done that with Patrick Mahomes and won a Super Bowl. Um so it is very it is very interesting that he's not the the voice in that locker room on that one. But I don't know. I I agree. I think the Bills win this game and I think the Dolphins are on you know that they're going to be 
playing a wild card game somewhere else. I don't know. Be very, very interesting. So, all right. I thank you guys so much for uh, bearing with us this episode. There was a lot to talk about. You know, obviously, when we miss a week, there's a few more topics that we want to go over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. Well, again, thank you all so much. This was another episode of Two Minute Drill presented by Deep Dive Sports. And uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of Two Minute Drill. And make sure to follow the show on Instagram at Two Minute Drill Podcast, D-D-S. Don't forget to follow deep.dive.sports on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can listen to all of our shows wherever you get your podcasts. Also, comment on all our posts and episodes. We would love to hear what you think about the show and what we talk about each week. And as always, Two Minute Drill listeners, until next time.